0: Connect with us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Trading profits are just an episode away.
1: This is the How to Trade It podcast. We talk about the real stories behind successful traders. You will learn the strategies that the best traders use in today's markets. And we get those experts to show us how to trade it. Okay, hello everyone. This is Casey Stubbs from the How to Trade It podcast. And today I'm excited to be here with Adam Mesh from the Adam Mesh Trading Group. Hey, Adam, thanks for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. So just in getting to know you a little bit in preparation, really think you got a lot of good information and excited for you to share your many years of wisdom with the audience today. Good. So just a, a heads up, we're going to be going in and talking all the details and sharing everything. So I want to ask the first question is, uh, how did you get started with trading and how long have you been trading?
2: I'll answer those questions in reverse. So I've been trading since 1997, so 23 years, and I got started when I graduated Michigan I wanted to go to California and become a writer, but I didn't have the money to do that. So I got a job as a trader at a place called Daytech, and that was the heyday of day trading. And day trading evolved, for those who don't know. In 1987, the stock market crashed, and they had created what was called SOs, the Small Order Execution System, as a response to the market crash, so that individuals can trade their own accounts. And Daytech kind of set up this thing where you trade. They were like, at that point, it was amazing because you were... Seeing all like Goldman Sachs and everyone else's offers, and you were able to scalp it and stuff like that. So it was a different time. So I got started at a different time, day trading
1: an individual account. Was that on a computer? It was on a computer, yeah. <laughs> you know, 97, that was back in the day, you know, so.
2: Yeah. <laughs> no, it was on a computer and very similar to now. Technology hasn't changed that much. The vehicles for trading have changed a lot with options and stuff like that. But in terms of the trading, it's screens are still
1: pretty similar. And so when you were with Daytech, you were trading individual accounts. Was that for yourself or was that for others or how did that go?
2: I was 21 years old and they gave me within a couple months of being there a million dollars to trade with. And I think I was trading someone else's account. They never really explained it. And we got a percentage of what we made trading, but I was there less than six months and then I felt comfortable. I went somewhere else. I went out on my own and started trading for myself.
1: So how well did you do? Did they give you like some amazing training? How was your performance as a 21-year-old kid?
2: I was recognized at the holiday party for Most Improved Trader. We started with like 50 people. I think there were only six left. It was like right before it got good and then went on my own. It was when things went crazy. And then, yeah, I always was a very active trader and kind of have had the same philosophy. I learned a lot of lessons along the way that got me here. I think if you're trading for a long period of time, you have to have a plan. So for me, the plan was to identify strong stocks on weekdays and weak stocks on strong days without news. And so I just have a very simple strategy that's kept me successful for a while. And how did
1: you learn that strategy?
2: So I had heard something once where someone said, you want to be buying stocks making higher highs and selling stocks making lower lows. And it didn't really make sense to me. But I put my own spin on it, and I think that's what all good traders do. They learn from other people, but then they add their own personality to it. So for me, instead of buying stocks making higher highs, I just equated it to what wasn't going down on a bad day. So let me just give you an example from this year, 2020. In March, the market crashed. I consider March 18th to be where a lot of stocks bottomed. That wasn't the bottom of the market, but a lot of stocks bottomed that day, and the Dow was down like 16, 1700 points on March 18th, and I was watching Uber and it hit 13.12. And as the market kept going down, Uber started going up, 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 and it closed above 14. So for me, on no news, that's interesting. Why is the stock going up as the entire market's crashing? So I started getting involved with Uber at 14. Five days later, it was 28. Now, there's no fundamentals associated with that. That's just pure momentum trading. That's what I do. Okay. And
1: now when you started, it was in 97, and then there's been a couple bear markets during that time. I know 2000 was when there was a big crash, but before that, there was a big run-up. How did everything evolve during the first market crash of 2000?
2: So as a day trader, you're not going to be affected much by a crash. You're almost going to enjoy it because it just creates volatility and you're not holding positions overnight. So for me, it was just still a time of opportunity at that point. What kind of ended day trading as it is was two things, in my opinion. One is just a little thing that's personal, but I'll just give you my opinion. They changed. It used to be in the '90s and early 2000s where you traded in fractions. So if you were looking at beyond me, it would be like 131 and a half, or 131 and three quarters. and they changed the fractions to decimals and that allowed things to go within a penny spread. And that allowed for the computer algorithms to get involved, which made individual trading harder than it used to be. So imagine you started and you're trading and you come in and everything's moving in fractions. So you could scalp half a point and you could see Goldman Sachs is coming in to buy 50,000 shares. And you could just like a little fish in front of a whale, jump in front of him, grab some stock and then sell it back to Goldman Sachs higher. That's what I was doing. But they made it so that Goldman Sachs was anonymous then. You didn't know who the sellers were and you can mask the number of shares. And so the computers started creating all these fake orders where you see a million shares to buy and then it disappears and the market drops 50 cents. And that's a really big change in terms of the market. You know, It used to be a lot easier to scalp and now it's a different kind of trading. So I actually switched to options in 2013. And are you still day trading? So I trade options much more actively and I consider myself now to be more of a swing trader. I still probably make over a hundred trades a day, but that's just like not a lot. It's just watching the market in and out, like kind of getting a feel. But like the bigger positions are more swing trades.
1: A hundred trades a day sounds like a lot to me. (laughs) I used to make
2: so many more.
1: (laughs) Wow. You must had a lot of good focus to focus in on that many trades. It just came natural. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So during all of the years of you trading, has there been any really rough spots that has challenged your desire to continue trading moving forward?
2: Oh, for sure. I don't know how to describe it, but I guess if you equate it, I was just reading about this golfer who spent five years not making the main tour. He would be on the side tours and he kept missing the cuts. And then eventually he just hit it and won some tournaments. But the ability to stay with it after so many failures... And, you know, I don't think trading is like gambling. I think trading is a skill and you have an edge and people can be successful at it versus gambling is more luck. But one of the things I do find to be similar is the best poker players lose the most hands. And that's because they fold quickly, they cut their losers short. And the best traders do the same thing. They take losses quickly and willingly rather than letting something really work against them. So just from that perspective alone, the ability to take losses every day as part of what you do is psychologically something that you have to learn to navigate with. But I'll tell you, if you want, when you talk about stories.
1: Yes, please do.
2: I'll tell you my worst trading day ever.
1: I'm ready. Hopefully, I don't start to cry.
2: So this was the <laughs> early 2000s, and I was bearish the market, and I had short positions on. And I used to trade much bigger than, so I was losing like five to ten thousand dollars a day as the market was trickling up, and I was just short, short, short. And then with ten minutes to go. And the trading day one day, it was like three fifty PM. I had a million dollars in shorts on the market. I was down another ten grand, whatever. And I don't know, I just saw night securities starting to run up. And I was like I just had like a mental snap, one moment lapse of concentration. And so I covered the million dollars worth of short and I bought a million dollars worth of night securities, which was trading around thirty dollars, so it was like thirty three thousand shares of night securities. The market closed at 4 p.m., and at 4.05, Intel pre-announced for the first time ever that they were going to miss earnings. They came out early and said, we're not going to hit our earnings number. And not only was night down three points, so I came in down $100,000, but I would have made half a million had I held those shorts. And for me, I just remember that day, I was in my early 20s still. I got very hot. To the point where I took off my shirt on the trading floor. <laughs> and I just walked over and grabbed a free muffin because I knew it was free. <laughs> yeah, so that was my worst trading day ever. But the next day I came in and I used to talk to my dad every day after the market closed. I'd call him 410 on my walk home, tell him how I did that day. So when I lost 100 grand, I called him My like, was terrible. I lost over 100 grand. At that point, though, you're never thinking about quitting or anything. It was literally just like a video game. And you're in your early 20s. You don't have a wife, kids, people depending on you. You're just playing a game. You're not thinking about what that money could buy or anything, which is probably better because then you maintain your edge. So I called my dad that day. I told him I lost over hundred grand. The next day was the best day I ever had at the time. I came in short, covered flips, got long, and the market had an incredible rally. They called it Super Tuesday. So I made two hundred twenty thousand. And I called my dad up after work, and he's like, how'd you do? And I said, even. And he's like, he knew it was a good day, but he was trying to be positive. He's like, well, okay, so you know what? It's good. You had a bad day yesterday. At least you're like back on track. I'm like, no, 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 no. Even from yesterday. He's like, really? I'm like, plus another 120 grand. And my dad never cursed. He's like, get the F out of here. <laughs> so cool. So happy. So. Hopefully, I had a quick rebound. You always want your best days to be better than your worst days.
1: At Finance and Markets, we believe that people are the most important thing. That's why in every financial newsletter, we dedicate a section to acts of kindness. When you put other people first, good things happen. We want to inspire you to go to the next level and practice acts of kindness. Go to the link in this episode's description to subscribe. Now, as you've been continuing doing this for a long time, what do you think is the most important thing that you had to learn to be successful over a long period of time?
2: The number one most intangible of trading is discipline. The ability to, again, cut your losers, not average down, just know when to shut off the screen, Let winners run. There's an emotional aspect of trading that's not natural. It's not what we would use in real life, right? In real life, you get knocked down and you get back up again. Or as an example, I told you about my house with the storm. You know, your house has trees falling all over, your car gets damaged, and you think, okay, everyone's safe, I'll fix it. I'll just take care of this. But if you have a trade that's getting damaged like that, it could always get worse. So one of the things we saw this year was when the oil's futures went negative. Remember that? Yes, I do. And so it's a great reminder why you should always be disciplined enough to exit your losing trades. Because in life, you want to have a, if you get knocked down, get back up strategy. In trading, you want to have a, if you get knocked down, get out strategy.
1: Yeah. And you did mention that earlier too, about taking a lot of losers, right? So it's kind of like an ego thing, maybe like, we don't like to lose a lot. And so just getting used to taking a lot of losers could be difficult because you're kind of getting knocked around a lot. So how did you come to that realization? Was it difficult for you to grasp that concept?
2: Yeah, it still is. I have all these newsletters and subscriptions and all these people who follow my ideas and everyone always asks a question, like, if you're so good, why do you give out trades to other people? It's a very common question. Right. And my answer is I care more about your money than I do with my own. Like I care so much about what people think that with other people, I'm extremely disciplined. But with myself, I still have that propensity at any given moment. And I've learned to control it. And so for me, what I did for my own discipline was I kind of changed the settings of my mind, so to speak. And that's just like a difference in terms of where I am in my life. When I was young, with zero responsibilities or anything like that, I could stand bigger losses and not care. When you have, as I do, married kids and responsibilities and payments, and the money seems more real, you just have to accept that you're not going to stomach losing as much as well. So I turned up my mental setting so that, if I get down a little bit, it might be time to be done for the day. Like as an example, today I was up two thousand dollars trading today, and I gave back half of it. I was trading beyond me post earnings. It traded all the way back up to one thirty-seven, and now it's back down at one thirty-one fifty. And for me, I'm pretty much done for the day because I don't want to give back all two thousand. I don't care if I make more today. And so for me, I'm doing this interview, and that's why I said I could, you know, last minute. Let's go. I'd rather be talking to you than trading right now.
1: Right. Because now you're not going to do something stupid. <laughs> yeah. No, that's pretty good. So what was the big switch when you moved over to options? You said it was part of the because of the fractional trading and other than that, but what mentally and strategically advantage did the options give you?
2: Oh my God. I'm such a big proponent of options trading for individuals now for so many reasons. Do you trade options or do you trade stocks? Stocks mainly. All right. Maybe I <laughs> maybe here's what i'll tell you so options years ago i used to say stocks were better to trade but now any popular named stock is going to have weekly options and they're going to be liquid but they're also going to move more true so i talk about the computer algorithm so you could see a 50 cent move in the stock it drops 50 cents comes back up 50 cents in a minute means nothing the options might only move five cents on that tick because they're not as wired into the computers. It's still more individuals moving the options market. So for me, the options trade more true. But the number one benefit is, you know, the moves we have now in days or weeks on the market is what we used to have in years. So the negative of options used to be that there was a defined amount of time to be in the trade. But now, if you buy an options going out 60 or 90 days that's all the time in the world. The state of the market between now and then is going to change so much. We have the coronavirus we're dealing with, daily updates with vaccines, school opening, sports opening, closing, elections. No one could buy stock and say, I'm confident where it's going to be a year from now, let alone six months from now. So if you're not planning on holding like I'm not for my individual account, and options is fine because you don't need a lot of time. And going out 30, 60, 90 days is more than enough. It's liquid. And then because it's an option, there's defined amount of risk. So if you bought 130 calls in Beyond Meat and they announced it was a fraud and it went to zero, well, if you bought the stock, you'd lose all 130. In an option, if you bought it for $3, one contract, 300 bucks, Beyond Meat went to zero. You're still only losing those $3, not $130, but you're still going to get the upside on those options. So I think there's so many reasons to do it. I used to be against it years ago, but now I'm just obsessed with options.
1: Hello, this is Casey, and I wanted to take a minute to tell you about my new book that just came out. It's called Complete Trading System. This is my 25 years of trading experience sharing everything that I have learned in how to make a profit from the markets. You're going to learn about how to find the right instruments to trade, how to find a trend, how to get started as beginners. You're going to learn about how to get the right mindset, and you're going to be able to put it all together to create a trading system of your own that will work for you, I highly recommend that you try it out. Just click the link right now. It's called Complete Trading System. It's available on Amazon. Thank you. Go ahead and check it out. I think you're going to love it. Now, do you think that in current market conditions with just the rapid volatility and what's going on in the world with the news and even it seems like there's just a flood of new traders right now, seems like trading is actually really popular. Is that helping the seasoned traders and is it helping you with your trading or is it making it more difficult? It
2: creates more opportunities when there's more people in the game. You know, the bigger the market, the more players, the more exciting it is. You have uh, Dave Pornoy from Barstools doing live trading on Twitter. And then you have the whole Robin Hood craze. And so, plus a lot less sports than we used to have. So yeah, the market-
1: Something to do. You need something to do. It's <laughs> extremely popular right now. So, so you I-
2: following Dave? How's he doing? Yeah, he retweeted me the other day, which is cool. Yeah, I've been following him not as much as I used to,
1: I just saw he lost like 700000 I don't know if he made any of it back. <laughs> yeah, like <to> that, really? <laughs> I think I heard of him like the very first day that he was oh, doing no, it. Oh, no, yeah. He
2: was down over a million. He made okay.
1: Up, he up a million. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, wow. crazy. Is um, he a
2: young guy? He's in his late 30s, early 40s. Oh, okay. He's, he, he's my far, age. Would, yeah. He's exciting to watch. The retweet, like all of a sudden when he retweeted me, it was like you get so many comments and likes and retweets. It was fun. But people like that make trading exciting. Everyone's talking about it. So that's nice. Yeah. And you can catch those moves pretty quickly and
1: can profit. If you were out talking to people, we got a lot of newer traders here that listen to the show. If you were talking to some newer people that maybe you're just getting started or maybe they're struggling, what kind of things would you ask them or would you advise them on to help them get started and to get on the path to success?
2: So for anyone that's struggling, I have the same expression. I always say trade light, trade right. And what that means is there's two things that could be happening when you're trading. One is that you have too many positions. So you're not able to see like why you're even losing money. You can't keep track of everything. And the second is your size is too big. So if you sit there and you're losing sleep at night and you're making emotional decisions, then there's something wrong. If you have the size where you're making logical decisions and you're trading your plan you're going to be in it for the long haul. So anytime someone struggles, I like to see them go smaller so that the money matters less, get themselves in rhythm and then build back up from there. What do you recommend them
1: to do as far as getting themselves educated and connected with the right type of strategy? Because there's so many different ways to trade and it's hard to get a really solid foundation on trading because there's so much information out there.
2: Yeah. No, that's a great point. Selfishly, that's what I do. I'm in the trading education business and you know, I'm out there competing with everybody else to try to be the person that people turn to, to learn how to trade for themselves. And I think the biggest challenge is you have so much hype out there and so many people talking about compounding $5,000 and turning it into 15 million. That if you just try to be real and genuine and be like, I'd rather see you make a couple of hundred and show you how to do it each day, that marketing might not get through. So from a business perspective, there's always the challenge of navigating the hype that other people bring to the table versus just real results. But I think just like I did, like anyone else, finding people that you believe in and know how to trade, that are real people and kind of just learning from them, but then adding your own personality to it. And this isn't just because I'm in this business. I think there's so many advantages to learning from others because what happens is you accelerate the learning curve. Someone like me has made thousands of mistakes. I've had tens of thousands of losing trades. There's so many things I've learned not to do. And if I could tell them to you, instead of having you lose money and learn for yourself and spend years doing what I did, again, that's how you skip levels and accelerate the process. And then hopefully everyone puts their own spin on how they trade things. What I like to talk about is informed decisions. Take what I'm saying and add your own personality to it.
1: Right. Yeah, and it takes learning from experience too, so they can learn from you, which is a good idea. But then there's got to be the application of learning. They have to actually make the mistakes themselves, but maybe to a lesser degree because you're giving them a
2: warning. Yeah, and I think making the mistakes themselves is more important than paper trade. I don't like paper trading because it's like playing a video game. You don't feel it, but if you're in a real fight, and you got hit. You feel it, you right? To see if you can control your emotions, even if it's really small. I like to see people trade for real so that they can have an experience. So start small, get proof of concept, and take it from there.
1: That's a great analogy with the paper trading, I agree. It's probably good to paper trade to get a feel for the platform, understand how to use it just so you're not like, Risking everything on one trade. The basics. But once you're ready,
2: you need to get out there and go for it. You don't want to hit the wrong key and end up with 10,000 shares of some stock you need to have out there for sure. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, this has been great information. Now, if people want to know about Adam and how to contact you and what you're doing, what's the best way to get in touch with you?
2: So I think my website might be the best way, adammesh.com. They could put their email in there and they would get free emails. But also I'm very personal and I have a team of people that check in with my email to respond. So if someone saw this and they want to learn more, they could literally email me adam at adammesh.com and then they could put YouTube in the subject line where they could put your name in the subject like whatever they want, so they stand out and we'll respond and get them more information, and make sure they're included on our events and stuff.
1: Okay. Adam at com, And you're on Twitter too. How do they find you
2: on there? Just my name. I got on early at Adam Mesh. <sighs> okay. So and then my Instagram is Adam Mesh Trading. Okay. Adam Mesh Trading. So we'll have all that information
1: in the description of the show. So if you guys are listening, just go to the podcast webpage and you can get all the links and contact Adam. I recommend that you go to his website, check out his newsletter, get on there, get his free information.
2: What types of services are you offering right now, Adam? So I have a lot of option services. Basic is Phoenix Letter, which is calls and puts. So people just want to start with Literally, ideas on how to buy a call on a stock or a put. Then we go into credit spreads. we we'll put bear call credit spreads. That's where you want the stock to just stay above a certain price or below a certain price. And then my favorite strategy, once people get to it, it's a little more advanced. Not enough people do it, but it's called diagonal calendars, which is where you become a landlord of the option market and collect rent. And if you like this interview and I come back one day, we could spend a whole segment doing diagonal calendars and people will love it.
1: Yeah, I'll let the fans decide... If they like Adam and send me a message, I'll get you back. (laughs) No, but this has been fun for sure. And I like the idea of talking about that. And by then, maybe you'll have convinced me to actually trade some options. There we go. Yeah. Well, thanks for being on the show. I have enjoyed having you. Thank you for sharing your story and sharing some really actionable tips that users can use.
2: Awesome. Thank you so much.
1: All right. And that's it for today's episode. Thank you all for listening to the How to Trade It podcast. Thanks for listening to the How to Trade It podcast. Our mission is to help you create security in the markets. If you have a question you want me to ask my guests or a specific question you have for me, please email me at podcasttradingstrategyguides.com. I answer every email I get because this show is about helping you learn how to trade it. So again, please reach me at podcasttradingstrategyguides.com. At Thank you.
0: Thanks for tuning in to another insightful episode of How to Trade It with Casey Stubbs. We hope you found today's discussion valuable and inspiring. Remember, the road to trading mastery is a continuous one and your commitment to learning and growing as a trader is the key to your success. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes, please reach out to us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Keep listening, keep learning, and keep trading your way to victory. Until next time.